finish on Wednesday. Sorry, I'll record it. <laughs> I'll touch on it because it's, it's uh, I guess, the important, well, it's all important, but the real stuff that I want to say was that we'll be at the end. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to come from Revelation, so you can turn your Bibles back to Revelation uh, 17. We'll read a little bit of that before we go into 18, and we're going to continue on the mystery of Babylon. You know, I. I you know, I, I knew this, but I saw it a lot more this week that when we see Revelation, when we read Revelation, we, we always think futuristic, and um, which it is, but um, it's amazing how there's Old Testament references that are found in Revelation, and um, you know, God, God's got everything in control, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, he's a good God, he's got a border. He's a God of order, and all we have to do is follow the blueprint. We can't, we can't mess it up. You know, we don't want to be like Adam. You know, we don't want to make the mistakes that the old people made. You know, um, the scripture says in Romans 15 that you know the scriptures are given to us. You know, so we can learn, so we don't make the mistakes that the others made. You know, we're not going to be perfect, but that's okay. We we see that we we serve a God of mercy. Alright, so, alright, so, Revelation 17, everybody? Yes. Amen. Alright, so we'll start at uh, verse 6. Now, like I said, I'm only going to read a few of these, just explain some things, and then um, we're going to jump into 18, because I said 17 and 18, both dealing with Babylon, and they're basically married to one another. Alright, so, verse 6. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of, of the martyrs, of Jesus, and when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So let's stop right there. So, you know, I, I think I, I touched on this uh, a couple weeks ago that uh, John is here standing amazed because of what he's seeing here. Uh, he marvels because of, he sees the persecution that's taking place for the saints, and it's not really a government that he's seeing, but he's seeing a, a religion, religious entity that's persecuting um, the saints. But the interesting fact is where we know Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand together, when in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel saw the same thing, and he, he was amazed, and he marveled as well. So there was something that they were seeing that for all that Daniel witnessed, all that John witnessed, that got their attention, that because we know that during the tribulation time, especially the, the second half of the tribulation, there's going to be a persecution that has never been happened on this world before. All the persecutions that's taken place in the past is going to be nothing compared to what's going to take place in the tribulation field. That's why Jesus tells, in, in Scripture, he tells Israel to flee into the wilderness. Because even with the early church experience, even what the, the Jews experienced with Germany, it's not going to compare to what the Antichrist is going to have in store. Amen. Alright, so, uh, verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel. Now he says, those who dwell on the earth will marvel. Whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So, real quick. So, we you know, most scholars attribute this to the, the beast that was and is not yet is because we know that going to, there's going to be an assassination attempt on the Antichrist. So, whether or not he really dies, we don't know. But 
We know that he's, he's going to be killed, and by who, we don't know, but he's going to die, and then he's going to come back to life. That's why scripture says here, he, uh, he, the beast that was and is not, and yet is, was, uh, who was alive, not, and is not, is dead, but yet is, is coming again, coming back to life. So we know that when he comes back to life, basically it's going to be Satan in him. And that's when he's going to flip. And he's going to change. His whole demeanor is going to change from there. Alright, so let's keep going. Oh, real quick, because I, I just saw this. The, those who dwell on the earth, same verse, those who dwell on, on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life. So those who, would, who will marvel whose names are not written, the saints, they're going to be reading the Bible. So they're going to be aware when this happens with the Antichrist. They, they will be aware. Whoever's alive, born again at that time, are going to be aware of what's taking place there. And again, this goes back to those Jews when the revelation hit, say, wait a minute, this is not the Messiah. They're going to be alert and they're going to reflect back on Jesus' words. Flee. Flee. Alright, verse 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There, okay, I'll stop right there because what happens is some translations, modern translations, instead of mountains, will have hills. And just like we talked about a, a few weeks ago, Marie, at the end of service, where people associate this with Rome and the Roman Catholic Church, thinking that it's, uh, that's going to be the Roman Catholic Church doing the persecution. But that word there translated is meant is in the Greek there and it's mentioned 65 times and 62 times it actually means mountain. We take it back to the Old Testament in Daniel where the word mountain is actually used for government. Right? So when we understand that, that it's a government, now it helps us to understand in verse 10 where there are also seven kings, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. So... Now, we know when we have a world power, there's going to be a leader, right? So we know whether it was Egypt, whether it was Assyrians, Egypt had Pharaoh, um, Assyria had Sennacherib, um, Babylon had Nebuchadnezzar, Medo-Persia had Cyrus, Greece had Alexander the Great, Rome had Caesar, right? So now we know that there's going to be another world power. And we know that that seventh kingdom is going to be a combination of ten kingdoms coming together. Where that eighth, where we see in verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. So we know that there's going to be ten kingdoms, and it doesn't say here, but we know at least three of the kings of the end are going to be killed. And more than likely probably because of the Antichrist. But we know out of the seven that are left, the Antichrist is going to rise up out of there. Okay, so let's finish this out. Verse 12 and 13. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. So they will be in cahoots with the Antichrist. They're going to give their authority. So we know that they're not kings yet, and we know even in John's time they're not kings yet, but there's going to come a time where they're going to have Power and authority for a short period of time. Alright, so let's go over to uh, chapter 18. I'm only going to read a few of these verses here. So, you know, I talked about, so there are some similarities between Babylon here in 17 and 18. Alright, so I talked about how 17 was uh, a religious Babylon. Alright, 
it's, it's going to be the opposite of the church, right? So, and then 18 is going to be commercial Babylon. So, but the similarities are they're both going to be under the power, the rule of the Antichrist in that. And also, they're going to both persecute the saints, okay? And they're both going to be under judgment. Now, we know uh, Babylon in uh, chapter 17 is going to be destroyed by political power. It's going to be destroyed by man. So we know, I've mentioned it before, how the leaders, they're going to use uh, the, the apostate church, the uh, false religion, to use them to get into power. And then all of a sudden, once they're done, they're going to kick them to the curb. Right Now, commercial Babylon is going to be destroyed by God himself. All right, so let's look at the uh, first few verses here in Revelation 18. Beginning at verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. All right, so let's stop right there. So, this doesn't sound like a fun place to be, does it? <laughs> All right, so, we don't want to be here during this time. Okay? So, but, you know, it says here in verse 2, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And if we go back to when I did a teaching on holiness, from Isaiah 6, and I talked about how when the angel said, holy, 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 and it was like an emphasis. So this can be looked at as one of two ways. It can be looked at as an emphasis for the Babylon falling, or it could be talking about uh, where Babylon in chapter 17 is falling and commercial Babylon in 18 is falling. But God is so good because Isaiah prophesied about this. In uh, Isaiah chapter 21, verse 9, I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there. Isaiah 21 verse 9 says this, And look, here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. Then he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the carved images of her gods he has broken to the ground. Amen. So it also talks about here in verse 3, the abundance of her luxury. See, Babylon's sin was not only idolatry, but it was also pride and wealth. And we're going to hold on to that because we're going to come back to that in a, in a little bit. Okay. Alright, so the wickedness of Babylon had been so great that she had not only forsaken God by setting up idols, but led others around her into spiritual adultery. See, this is why I would say it's important for God's people to know the word. So we don't get took it. And it's like what we talked about this morning, where people are not reading the Bible, but then when people are preaching the word, they're not preaching from the Bible. It's a problem when you have a, a, a minister, anybody giving the word and they're preaching and they only give them one scripture at the beginning and then the rest is of their opinion and what they think it is. That shouldn't be. As we see in Nehemiah, we saw in Nehemiah rather, right, the, the leaders did what? They talked. They explained it because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We should be teaching and explaining these things. Now, it's like I've always said before, when we're, in the, when we're out, in the, out in the world, we're preaching. We're, we're, we're preaching the word, and we're preaching to the lost, and we're giving them the word. Why? Because we're drawing their attention. But then what we do is when we get in church, we're trying to preach, and we're trying to, 
We're trying to go off of people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And then the preacher starts getting emotional. And, and that shouldn't be, but we have to teach the word. Amen. 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 Alright, so we know from this chapter here that even in Babylon, God's got chosen people there. Just like I always say, you know, he's got people here, he's got a body, he's got an elect here, even in this country. Even in Rome, everywhere he's go, even when uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, when they were in Babylon, when they, God's got a remnant. He's got a people. So let's look at verse 4 and verse 5. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So he's saying, Come out of her, my people. So it is inconceivable to think that a child of God will be in a place like this. Right? And, and sometimes we got a habit of judging some of the old saints. So this actually reminds me of Lot, really. Because right? he, he's saying here in Revelation, come out. So when we see Lot, we see him where? In Sodom and Gomorrah. And we, we know Sodom and Gomorrah was what? Wicked. Right? So we, we look at Lot and we, we, we uh, point the finger at Lot. And sometimes we don't focus too much on his wife, but we point the finger at Lot. But really, sometimes well, if we're not careful as Christians in the church, we can identify ourselves with his wife, believe it or not, when we should be identifying with Lot. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to go over that on why in a minute. So before I get there, the rest of Revelations, uh, rest of this chapter, not very, all the way to the 24th verse, we're going to see the destruction of Babylon. And we're not going to read it, but we, you will see the destruction of Babylon and you're going to see people, kings, leaders, the world. They're going to mourn. And, and, and we see it as wicked when he talks about that this becomes a dwelling place of demons, but yet the people are going to mourn for that. Alright, so let's get back to this. Alright, so we know that the world is messed up. We cannot judge Lot. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. Filthy. 
filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Alright, so we know here the author is obviously Peter. Now, we know nobody writes the scriptures by their own private interpretation, right? They get inspired by the Holy Ghost. So, if Peter here is writing, because that means he's inspired by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Peter was not there when Lot was alive. But who was? The Holy Spirit. So, he's calling, it's not really Peter calling Lot righteous, it is the Holy Spirit calling Peter righteous. So, let's look at what that word righteous means. That word righteous actually means virtuous. Someone with high moral standards. Innocent. But we don't see Lot that way. We don't hear Lot talked about that way. What we do is, we focus on Lot as, well, he chose Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, guess what? If Lot didn't choose Sodom and Gomorrah, you know who would have went there? Abraham. Yeah. You read Genesis. Abraham tells Lot, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. But see, we look at it in our mindset today. But we got we can't we can't do that. See, because Lot also knew that Abraham was called. How did Lot find out about God? Through Abraham. Because guess what? Abraham, his dad, was a maker and worship of idols. So that's what Abraham knew. So if he came out of that, he only came out because God called him out. Lot came out the same thing. But as Lot spent time with Abraham, guess what? He learned about God. Amen. All right, so let's look at this word oppressed. Some translation has vexed. All right, so that word, oh, actually, hold on. So it says, Lot vexed or oppressed with the filthy conversation. That word conversation means behavior. So he wasn't pleased with their behavior. See, he was there, he was living there, but we judge him saying, well, he stayed there. Well, guess what? We still stay in America. Same stuff is going on in America. That's right. Guess what? If you're a Christian, you got cable TV. We're seeing the same things because, guess what? Now, we got commercials with homosexuality going on in there, right? But, we won't talk about ourselves, but we'll talk about a lot. See? We, but we, we're pointing the finger, but... We're privy to the same things. And yet, yet, we want to point the finger at Lot, but see, the scripture said he was righteous. He was righteous. See, we should be vexed by those things that we see. And that's the key question we have to ask ourselves. Did, is it become normal to us? Because they show us so much. Remember now, they're showing a lot, like I said before, they're showing a lot more now than what they did three, four years ago. So they're making it seem to be it's normal. But we know according to the word of God, that's an abomination before God. Amen. And, it, and it, it's not just that. It's fornication. We see it on just about every TV show. And that's been going on for days. I mean, if you look back, if you look at old, well, we all old enough, except for the kids. <laughs> Happy days. That show was full of lust. The Vernon show, full of lust. But see, <laughs> some people still watch those things. Right? Because they say, oh, it's innocent, don't have to think. But no, it's full of loss. So, again, we're not exempt. But that stuff, if we're spending time with God, that stuff should vex us. We should not be okay with it. You know, it doesn't mean we're going to go out and point the finger at people and say, no, you don't do that. No. But 
we don't make it seem like it's okay with us. But yet, the church has been talking about a lot for years. It's like I said before, people going Christians gonna hold out an apology. And see, and then they'll also say, well, well, you know, he got his daughters pregnant. Well, wait a minute, did he? They got him drunk. Think about what he saw. He saw a whole city. He lost his wife. So now he experienced trauma. So yeah, he did drink, get drunk. Anybody that's been drunk, sloppy drunk, sometimes you don't remember. <laughs> when I was out in the world, sometimes I don't remember how I got home. So let's not point the finger at this righteous man and then hold ourselves up here. And see, we, we, we have to hold ourselves even more accountable because a lot didn't have the Holy Spirit. We do. Amen. So we should know right away when the Holy Spirit is breathed <laughs> and instead of just continuing to look at stuff. See, there's a few TV shows I used to watch I had to stop watching. To this day, I had to stop watching. I'm like, man, I enjoy the plot line, but I, I, I can't look at this stuff because it was breathing on spirit. Amen. And I know it was breathing on Holy Spirit. Alright, so that word oppressed and vexed means to tie down with toil, exhaust with labor, hence to afflict or oppress with evil. So, uh, in Acts chapter 7, remember when Stephen was giving his, uh, his discourse of the history of Israel right before he gets stoned? Well, he talks about Moses and how he, um, Israel was in bondage to Egypt. And he talks about how they were oppressed. They were vexed, meaning that they were being abused. This is how much that stuff bothered Lot. So we can't judge him and say, well, he didn't move from that place. He stayed there. He chose that place. Again, if he didn't choose it, Abraham would have been over there. So when the people were being oppressed and afflicted and they were being vexed by Egypt, what did Moses do? He came and he killed the Egyptians. Because that, that's how much that vexed him. Because he didn't want to see them tormented and being burdened down like that. That's how much that bothered It caused him to get angry to murder someone. Now, I'm not telling you to get angry to murder anybody. So I just want to put that on record. <laughs> All right. But, you know, if you've been, you know, even after being in the Navy, there were times where things were going on, conversations were, and I would get vexed. I would get angry at that. You know, I didn't always handle it in a proper manner. I didn't do what Moses did, but I, I wanted to. I wanted to. And, and I, I did have outbursts and say things and get angry with people, but that wasn't a proper way to handle it either. Right? Because they were just doing what sinners do. Alright, so we know how messed up Sodom was. right? So we know, we, we see Lot. God comes, he sends the angels, and they rescue Lot. And we know through by scripture, just from Genesis alone, how messed up Sodom was. But how did Sodom get that way? Ezekiel 16, let's turn there. And see if these things don't describe America today. Verse 
Alright, Ezekiel chapter 16, beginning at verse 29. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Verse 50. And they were haughty, meaning they were exalted. They were proud, proud, prideful, and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. So let's stop right there. So we see three things here in uh, verse 49. We see what? They had pride. They were fullness of food. Gluttony. Which is a work of the flesh, according to Galatians chapter 5. Which gluttony also means greed and abundance of idleness. If that does not describe some of the things that go on in America, then I don't know what does. Because these are the same things we face in America today. We see, and you, you think about it, because now we work to what? The American dream. Right? You know, work until you can retire. That, that, that wasn't normal back in the day. See, now you have people who can retire at really 38. People that go into the military at 18, uh, firefighters, they can retire at 38. Police officers can retire at 40. And you have other jobs that can retire early. And then people do what? They retire. Sometimes some people go back in when they work. A lot of times people just sit here and do nothing. They may save, they, they may save up their money and invest their money and do nothing. And you'll see a lot of times, especially police officers, when they retire and they do nothing, they die. They die very early. Because we weren't made, we weren't made and created to just sit there and do nothing. That's right. We were created, God, we we to work. And, and see, part of that is also the sin of Adam. Yeah. So we, we're, we're supposed to work. Yeah. See, but again, pride, fullness of food. Abundance of idleness, pride. Make America great again. That's, that's pride. You know, I, and I reflected on this, I thought about this today when I was in boot camp. So in order to get out the barracks and get away from the boot camp instructors, everybody went to church. Right? Because you know you got a chance of reprieve when you went into the church. So you sit there in, 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 in the Protestant church and guess what songs they play? I'm proud to be an American. What does that have to do with God? Absolutely nothing. But they're playing that in church. Or Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. And then we're all singing it, holding each other, things like that. And well, what does that have to do with God? Absolutely nothing. But that is still what? Pride in the country. And that's really pride. And, and you know, because you see, you saw it all. Especially when, uh, you know, when Trump was in office, you saw people out there saying, you know, we got to make America great again. Make Look, how about you just get in relationship with Christ? That's how you go to the road of redemption and making things great again. Putting God first. Mm -hmm. But we don't do that. See, and the thing about it, not just America, these same things are found in the American church today. Prosperity preachers, right? Pride, fullness of food, Idleness. Oh, I don't have to work. I've got millions of dollars. So proud of Jennifer. Yeah. See, all that stuff leads to sin. That's the same thing. See, if we go back and we study history in the Old Testament, we see what caused Sodom and Gomorrah to get to where they were. 
And then we see America going along that street because everything has changed over the years. People used to work years ago until they were older, but now all these investors and bankers have come in and now everybody wants to get to the top, get their money, even when you see businesses start. Even when you see churches start. We talked about it before, right? Churches start small, they're working, praying, doing what they're supposed to do. Now they get big and then what? They stop because it's idleness. Because pride. That's good. Amen. And actually, greed, which is, you know, gluttony. Give me more people. More people. Because we, we got to pay for this. More people. All that. Th these are all things that we see today. And then we wonder why the world is going. But see, we repeat these same things. And think about it. The church is the biggest culprit of this. <laughs> and it's right here in the scriptures. If we would just read and study. We won't make these mistakes. Yeah, so God blessing us abundantly with material things is actually Him going against the very things the Word of God warns us of. So when we speak about getting material things, that's not of God. It's like I said before, yes, He can bless us with material things, but that should not be our focus. We should be givers. Amen. Right? Just like we talked about. We should be givers. But we always want to receive, 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 receive. We want more, you know. And then when we get the house, now it's not good enough. Now we want the bigger house. Same thing with the car. I got to get a new car, right? Because now the one that I have that's 15, 16, 20 years old, even though it still runs, it doesn't have new bells and whistles, so I got to have that. No, that's being greedy. We don't, we don't need that. You see, and then we'll take on another car payment. When that money can be used for something else. Alright, so, you know, we as a nation and church have been lulled to sleep by the devil's schemes and devices. So, listen to this definition. This is what I was going to talk about this past Wednesday. The word muse, M-U-S-E, muse. It means to think about something carefully or thoroughly. To think or say something in a thoughtful way. So, let me ask you. In this country, do we promote muse or do we promote amusement? We promote amusement. Entertainment, sporting events, TV shows, concerts, amusement parks. These are all things we promote. And guess what? When we do those things, we're not thinking about God. We're not. And it's, it's, we're being distracted. It's all set up for the end. We're being distracted. Right. You think about it, even in the early biblical days, they didn't have those things. So we wonder why, I would say, they had a stronger, closer relationship with God than we do. And we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But they don't, they never had the distractions. I think I talked about this before. When people go to jail and they find Christ in jail, they don't have those distractions no more mm -hmm. on the outside. Mm -hmm. So some people, correction officers, they'll think, oh, they're faking. No, they're being sincere. Because they don't have those distractions. So now they have all that time to give and devote to God. Reading, praying, worshiping, fellowshipping with other believers. But then once they get out of jail, what happens? The distractions come. The girlfriends, the families, the friends. And then now, now that they've been amused, <laughs> now they go back in the world. And see, we've been deceived. Even with these things that we do for the church today, 
What did I talk about? The fall festivals. The things. Let's get all these things for the kids. That's all amusement. But it's a distraction. Because we're not teaching them anything. And if you think about it, a lot of times we teach what? Even when, even in kids' church, we teach what? 10, 15 minutes of a lesson and then the rest of playtime. Snack time and playtime. <laughs> oh, they don't have the attention span for that.
It doesn't mean that we can't, and understand, I'm not saying we can't go to amusement parks and things like that. Not, not at all. I'm not saying we can't watch TV and, and things like that. Um, but we got to be careful of those things because it's all designed to keep us brainwashed, to keep us from thinking. And that's what the enemy wants. The more we do those things, the further we pull away from God, the more we get distracted. That's why it's dangerous for us to watch so much TV. We, 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 we can't get caught up in that. And that's why I say even it's dangerous for us to even watch the YouTube videos all the time. We got to be careful of that. 2 Corinthians says what? Be not unequally yoked. That goes back again to these Christian music artists. Collaborating with secular artists. And I'm not just talking about somebody like Lionel Richie. Uh, I can't even, I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody. I can't think of <laughs> But I'm talking about like these raunchy rappers. You got Christian people collaborating with them. And then they'll get mad at the church, when the church says something to them, don't judge me. You know, I may be the only Christ that they see is what they'll say. But if you're the only Christ that they're going to see, then they're not seeing Christ. <laughs> yeah. Because Christ wouldn't do that. See, when Christ hung out with the sinners, he was still holy. He was still Christ. He didn't go down to their level. He broke stuff down, but he didn't Take on their behavior. So the Lord says, be separate, says the Lord, not be comfortable with it. So we should be, like I said, we should be uncomfortable in this world. We should be vexed by the things that we see, just like Lot. That's what we should be identifying with. Was Lot perfect? No. None of us are. None of us are. Psalm 103 says this, uh, our sins he will remember no more, but those of Babylon and link with them, God remembers their sins. So if we yoke up with the world culture, if we yoke up and combine ourselves with Babylon, then guess what? We're just like Babylon. So it, it's, it's, you know, we don't point the finger at, at, like I said, we don't point the finger and, and preach at them. You don't do this, don't. How about we just live our life? For Christ. That's what made the difference with Jesus when he walked away. He was pleasing the Father. He lived a holy, consecrated lifestyle. He didn't walk around. You know who he judged? The religious leaders. Well, yeah. <laughs> he talked about them because they were trying to live one way. But talk a different way. We can't be like that. Amen. So, who is this city Babylon?
but we'll see. But like I said, it's, it's a mystery. So <laughs> it's a mystery, but but God God knows all, and uh, God has it all mapped out, and you know, there's nothing anti-Semitic about it. And, and I will say this, you know, the church itself for years we've, you know, God God we know Israel. The people are always going to have a place in God's heart. You know, we know also, once they come to Revelation, that the Antichrist is not the Messiah, they're going to come to God. And they're going to come to God and Christ in, in, in droves. But it's important for us to understand this. You know, you have a, a move out there, Zionism, that are not crying to the Christians over. You have Palestinian Christians over there, and, and you can look it up yourself. You know who's, who's helping them out and treating them? The Muslims. The Muslims. You know who's persecuting them? The Zion Jews. You know who's closing the churches over there? The Zion Jews. But yet, we will hang up in the Israeli flag saying it's God's people. But we're going to go over a little bit on that on Wednesday. We're going to talk about that and we'll see through the scriptures. Because uh, we got to remember here in this time, God's not dwelling in land. He's dwelling in his people. That's right. So everywhere we go, his presence is there. It's not that we go to Israel and his presence is there. No, his presence right here in Melothian, his presence in Chester, his presence in Heriko, everywhere we go, Amen. his presence is there. Amen. But Amen. see, we've been deceived, and, and I, I had to wonder about this, where all these mega ministries that have gone over there, how none of them are speaking about this. How the Zion Jews are persecuting the Christians over there. Mm. Holding water from them. You know why? Because Christians believe what? Jesus is what? The Messiah. They don't want that. Because they don't see Jesus as the Messiah. We'll learn a little bit about that on Wednesday. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's try that.